Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I can, I can only, you know, I have to delete. We'll see, but if you, I deleted GarageBand because it was like, GarageBand is what was huge. It like yeah, it's well. Or, no, it's more. It's a, it's a couple gigs. It's several I, gigs. Yes, it's I like five or that, six. Like, I have like two extra gigs now. I yeah, I don't. And I've only the only reason I keep GarageBand on my phone. Well, one is I have the room, but two mm-hmm. is uh, so I can pull out the piano. On it, and like, and like check, and like check my own, and like, like if I'm listening to a song, like what key is this in? Ah, okay. You know, I do that. I just So, yeah, I I probably could do that, but I use that quite often, especially when my wife and I always fight over keys. Like, what what key are we gonna do this song? And like. We hear a song, but almost never the the key that's recorded is that is actually usable in a normal church setting, especially if like Jeremy Riddle wrote it. Just forget it. You, you got to take it like, you know, four steps down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so you got to figure out another key. Well, see, the way that we get around that is that Rachel sings one part of the song and I sing the other, so we're good. That's the beauty of leading worship with a, a woman is that you guys can, you, what you just did was just, just double your range. It's a beautiful thing. But, uh, and we just will pick where is she going to be the most dynamic and where am I going to be the most dynamic, like vocal range wise. And so, and then sometimes it's like, no, 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 you do not get to sing that verse. I am singing that verse. Nobody, so we got to pick a key where I can sing that verse. I don't care. You can sing the chorus, but, or, or the bridge, you know, the huge bridge, you know, that where, where the bridge is like the high point of the song. It's like, no, 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 I get that. That's, it's my turn. You, you know, you, you got it. These are, these are the conversations that we have. <laughs> my wife also gets mad at me because, uh, we have, we have three worship teams at our church now, which is, like, unbelievable. When I got there, there were four people on the worship team total. Not counting me. Okay? And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> you know? And so we started just slowly trying to grow the worship team and invite new people in and, you know. And uh, so now we actually have three teams. And which Rachel and I are on one team. And then, but I'm on another team as well. Um, we try to keep it so that no one has to be on stage more than two Sundays a month. But you know, it's just it's a well-oiled machine. Well, I only had one Sunday off a month. The problem is that worship leaders always they get they click with one band, and so they're like, I want these people on all the time. But that doesn't teach anybody new how to be involved in worship. So you, like you just got to... There's a couple of rotations, but they didn't have really any guitars, so it was kind of a rotation yeah. for me. Yeah, my, uh, my, uh, I, I always, I'm always in favor of teams over rotations, that the same group should all be on stage at one time, because then they learn to play together and they start to sync. And anyway, but, um, yeah, what was I saying? So, oh... So I'm on with my wife one Sunday a month, but then, and the two of us lead, but then I'm, I co-lead with the other worship leader, who's also a woman, uh, one of the other Sundays in the month. And when I'm leading with her, 
I almost always sing alto. <laughs> well, no, she sing. She usually does most of the lead, so she'll sing the melody. But I, you know, I'm the only other person on that team that can actually sing harmonies. So I will sing tenor for the first verse, but then when we build, I'll just go to go to alto just to add another layer, you know. And my wife always just glares at me from the front row <laughs> because that's her part. She's like, "You're on my note." <laughs> That's 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 the way <laughs> that happens a lot. If we're singing together, she'd be like, "Find another note." That's my note. <laughs> it's fun. We have literally been doing worship together. We've been on worship teams together for for twenty years. We've been that's that, long before we ever started dating. Long time before. Um, she was the worship leader for the youth group. She's older than me. She was actually a freshman in college when I was a freshman in high school. But anyway. It's true. <laughs> but, so she was the worship leader when I was in high school, and she was the first person to ever ask me to be on a worship team. So you were in middle school, in elementary school, and she was in high school? No. 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 Well, yeah, actually. <laughs> I used to always. I, I always used to. It'd be like one of you guys. Like, who's who's just one year out of out of high school right now? Okay, be like you dating a freshman. We didn't date until I was twenty years old. So I was twenty. She was twenty-four. So by then it wasn't weird, but it but it would have been. I really did, yeah. But we did meet. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. We got married before I turned twenty-one. We only dated. Our dating and engagement lasted thirteen months. So. It's just kind of how. What? What? Just over a year. Yeah. 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 They knew each other for like nine days before he proposed. Right. Well, that's kind of how it was. That's kind of how it was. Like, the truth is, we dated for three days, and then she went to the Philippines for ten weeks. And when she got back, we put in to the church for the date for our wedding. (laughs) So we really only dated three days, but I couldn't really do that when she was on the other side of the world. Playing hard to get, going on a different topic. You know. <laughs> we would write we would write letters back and forth that were eight and eight and ten pages long, like front and back and Yikes. Yeah. It was my relationship was the last We still we still have those we still have those letters. Um, maybe five pages right now. Maybe two. Maybe two. Well, we couldn't really call. Yeah. Can you text? No, there there wasn't texting back then. This is 1998. There weren't. There wasn't texting. Brick phone text one. I was three years old. So I'm just saying. I'm old. What can I say? I'm actually not. I mean, I'm not as old as my wife, obviously. But I do. <laughs> I say that to her all the time. I'm, I'm like, I'm not as old as you. 
Well, the thing is that she's post 40. She just had her birthday Monday. And I'm just like, you're, you're an old lady. <laughs> yeah, she's 42. She just turned 42 on Monday. She's not ashamed of it, so I don't think it's a problem. Then. I don't think 40 but old. no, it's not. And truth is, she looks younger than I do. Old enough to mess with people. Most, most people, most people think that she's younger than I am, but she's not. She's older. But anyway, all right, we are in Romans chapter eight, and we have. I think we are at. Um, I think we ended or. Uh, a million years ago, whenever that was, uh, at uh, verse ten, um, we we went through verse ten. So I would really, really love to be able to get through the whole chapter today, but I doubt it. You know, I just do. This this chapter is so rich and so dense. There's so much good stuff in it, and I don't want to skip any of it because this is. This chapter is really the reason I love to teach Romans, to be honest, because this chapter is so powerful and, uh, and so profound. So let's, uh, let's just pray. And uh, Abba, Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. And uh, uh, Lord, that we're all here in this room together. And thank you for this opportunity to open up your word. Lord, I pray that the, the, the deep realities that we find in these next few scriptures that go beyond what human words are able to express, that go beyond even what the Apostle Paul in his genius was able to express. Lord, I pray that these things, the deep would call unto deep today, that, 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 that the infinity in you would call out to the infinity you've written on our hearts, to the, to the eternity that you've written on our souls. Lord, I pray that uh, that that the, the, the the immeasurable glory uh, that that is wrapped up in these in these few words, God would be would be unpacked within us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would go over around beyond any words that I'm able to speak or any any way that I'm able to teach, and that you would flow the river of life into us that we would hear, that we would see, that we would know, that we would be transformed by the power of your word, that we would be awakened to who we truly are, and that we would be, that we would be released to, to act as the sons and daughters of God, to, that we would be set free to, to walk according to your spirit, Lord, that we would become Everything that Jesus died on the cross to make us, Lord, that, that that journey would be would take a quantum leap forward because of the of the words that, that are spoken in in this chapter that we're going to explore today. Lord, I ask for supernatural revelation of the truth in Jesus name. Amen. OK, uh, so we're going to start. Um, Well, I'm going to back up to verse uh, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So this is this 
This is something we need to come to understand. We are spirit indwelt people. And because we are, we are not who we were. And we can no longer operate the way we were, the way that we once operated. We have been put in a new category. We are now the children of God, which we're going to get to in a minute. The sons of God, verse 14, for all who are being led by the spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Ladies, you're also the sons of God. Um, and, you know, it, just like guys, we're the bread of Christ. It's okay. It's This transcends any kind of, you know. What? You know, it's just, it's just the way it is. It's going to be okay. It doesn't, it's not transgender, but it transcends gender. It transcends Gender. It's not transgender. Does not change. You need to understand that that God in his reality is beyond gender. We cannot say that God is male or female. I know that you you may have Bible teachers that will tell you otherwise. They're wrong. God is not male or female. God is God, and there's no one like him. So we use male pronouns when we speak of him that's not necessarily important um i i i don't have a problem referring to god with a female pronoun other than it would offend a whole lot of people if i did it but exactly i because god transcends there, there we don't have another pronoun we don't have a a neuter pronoun some languages do and i and that's what we really should use for him um is a completely a, a pronoun that's completely, you know, absent of gender, um, because God is not physically anything. He's not now. Jesus was a man, uh, but God the Father, uh, God the Father also refers to Himself as a mother on several occasions. So just get used to that. Obviously, in Jesus' day, He could not refer to God as God the Mother. Or it would have been even, they would have hated him even more than they did. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but the point is, point is, he is, he, God is the progenitor of us all. And uh, progenitor is, means parent. Okay. Uh, your mother and father are your progenitors. Okay. Your biological parents are your progenitors. Anyway. It is. That's. It's a great word. I love. I love big words. My wife yells at me when I use them in sermons. She's like, "No one knows what that means." <laughs> you know, I say progenitor. I'm like, I try and explain myself. <laughs> but is there another? I mean, it, there's not another word that's that good that that, that means that exact thing. You know, progenitor. Progenitor. But you say parents, and parents has a whole bunch of different meanings. You can't. You know, your biological parent. You're not. You're not your step parent. You're whatever. You're. You know. So, progenitor actually means the one from whose body you came. Okay. So that's 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 what progenitor means. I'd rather say progenitor than say that. So, anyway. 
So then, brethren, we are under obligation. Oh, wait a minute. I want to go back. um, So it says, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who uh, raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And we need to understand that this is referring to two things, two realities. Okay, One is that at the end of the age when Jesus returns, we will be physically raised from the dead. Everyone who has ever believed in Christ will be raised from the dead in the first resurrection, no matter when you believe that happens, whether it's at the beginning of the tribulation or at the end of the tribulation or at the end of the millennium or whatever. Whenever you believe that's going to happen, the Christians, those who follow Jesus, will be raised physically, bodily, from the dead. And so Paul is talking about that, that the Holy Spirit is the one who will raise us from the dead and we will be given life. Life will be given back to our mortal bodies. And in fact, our bodies will completely be transformed into immortal bodies. Did you have a question? Yeah. yeah. Super quick one. So, um, obviously we don't know when the rapture is coming, but if we, if we died before the rapture, yes. and there's spirit just up in heaven, then further united with our body after rapture? Yes. Okay. That's Yes, our spirits will be in what Jesus referred to as paradise, which is, uh, you know, it's the place where the, where God's spirit is now. We can call it heaven if you want to. It's, heaven is a pretty broad term, actually. But heaven basically just means everything above our heads. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, 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 yeah, not the new heavens and the new earth, um, and not even necessarily the throne room of God kind of place. This is actually just, it's paradise. It's an, it's a holding tank uh, for the, for those who are bodyless at this particular moment in time. And we will be, when we're resurrected, then we will stand on the sea of glass before the throne of God, but, but not necessarily before. And uh, I mean, maybe, but uh, you know, we don't have the full information on all of that, but but uh, there are there is a difference between what you would be if you died today and what you would will be after the resurrection. Um, after the resurrection, we will have bodies just like Jesus' resurrected body, uh, with all of the abilities and rights and whatever that he carries, which is fascinating. I'm teaching a Actually, I mean, if you guys wanted to come up, we're, we are doing a, I don't know what you guys are up to, but not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday, May 20th, I'm doing an all-day end times seminar at my church. Um, uh, what? Sorry. I, I am going to be recording it, um, but... Uh, is it going to be live? I don't know. I don't, maybe. <laughs> maybe. You can w- eat it if you're watching it on the internet. If you asked if there's food, and you there will be food. You couldn't go. Yes, we we are we are doing lunch. Yes. Oh no! I thought everybody was bringing like their end time food. Yeah. That's oh no no no! We're not doing that. No. No. We're not doing that. No, but 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 we are doing. Their lunch will be provided for that. But but uh, so.
If you guys are all busy, fine, whatever. But I, but I thought I'd put it out there. Um, we did we did a couple years ago. We did a, an end times day, and we had end times snacks. So we had bugles for the trumpet judgments, and we had we had fruit roll-ups for the scroll that's in the hand of the Father. And, <laughs> and we gathered around and ate canned foods. I brought the bowls of wrath. They were really, it was it was bowls of really hot salsa that I brought, and and uh, and we had somebody brought like uh, marshmallows. It was the cloud that that Jesus was going to come on, and, and it was it was this weird smattering of. Different foods, but they all had end time. We did, yes. Well, I don't know. We had we had some kind of red drink, but I don't remember what that. Anyway, it was very. It was fun. It was just goofiness. (laughs) Well, I asked Nathan and Sophie if we could, and 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 I mean Nathan was like, "I'll find a date," but I haven't heard anything back from him. So if you want to talk to him, if you want to talk to him. Um, anyway, so we will be raised from the dead, but that is not all that Paul's talking about in this verse. He's also referring to the fact that in this moment, at this time, right now, as the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he is giving life to your mortal bodies. Right now, you have access to the power of the Holy Spirit to release life in and through you. And there are some people that have, that have taken this all the way to the point of like resurrection power that is being made manifest through us, like to the place where it's impossible for us to get sick or to get old or whatever. I don't agree with that. I can't, I mean, that's not ever happened necessarily in the history of the church that I know of. Um, I, uh, the Catholic church believes in saints who don't decay, like they die, but their body never decays. And so like, like you can go to cathedrals at different places and they have like, bodies in like glass caskets that like aren't decaying okay um yeah that's very true uh, i don't really understand it um but anyway uh, that, i think that's it's really it's really it's really fascinating to me uh yeah I, I i just don't get it it's like what that's not what it means but anyway what it does mean is that the power of the holy spirit is available to us right now to give us life and the life that paul would be much more interested in talking about is the kind of life that that means that we can say no to sin that means that we can say no to that means that we can step into being like jesus that life would that life would just pour off of us i've had the 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 Lord's been speaking to me out of the passage in John uh, the last few weeks where Jesus said, you know, if, if you believe in me, as the scriptures say, rivers of living water will gush from within your bellies. And so like that, that I've been thinking about that. And so many Christians live this dried up existence where they have barely any life and they like come to crawl into church every Sunday, like just looking to get something from the well, you know, just like, oh, I'm so thirsty. When Jesus was like, no, 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 no. Your experience should be that the Holy Spirit moves out of you so powerfully that it's like rivers of living water moving out of you. That should be the experience of every follower of Jesus. 
that literally rivers of life flow out of us, that we take life with us everywhere that we go, that we are a source of life to everyone that we encounter. And it's the picture, again, in the, in, in, in the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem will, will descend, the literal new city of Jerusalem will descend like a giant UFO to sit, to, to, to sit hovering over the earth. It's really fascinating. If you look at the size of the new Jerusalem that Jesus describes, it literally goes from the Canadian border to the Mexican border. If it was sitting over the United States, that's how wide it is. And it's just as wide as it is tall as it is long. It's a cube. So it's, yeah, that's how big this city is. It's one-fourth the, the volume of the moon, okay? And, and that, <laughs> that will be our home. But out of it will rush rivers of living water that will water the earth. Okay, yes. This, this gigantic, you know, Niagara Falls kind of waterfall coming out of the side of the... Sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Pouring out of the of of the this this city, this gigantic city. Hey, gorgeous. How you doing? That that is made of of stone of of gemstones. It's unbelievable. The picture. I would. Uh, oh my gosh! I can't. Sorry, Olivia locked herself out of her car. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> What's up? Told me you guys would be in the classroom. Can we bottle and sell the spring water? Doing water as fresh spring water. What? I don't. You mean that's coming out of you? I don't really want water that's coming out of you. That's coming out of the new Jerusalem. We aren't going to need to bottle or sell anything. In the new heavens and the new earth. You're the, you're the reason that we need a new heaven and a new earth. What's that? <laughs> Will there be an economy? I, I think there's going to be a super abundance of everything that we need. I don't think there'll be a need for an economy. Plus, everyone in the new heavens and the new earth will be resurrected, so we probably don't need to eat. I think, I'm sure we can. But I, we won't need so, to. I really, what's, enjoy, I really enjoy wings. I was going to say, what's Storm going to argue with people about then if yeah. there's no economy? Yeah. Right. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. I'm not going to be able to argue with you. Storms, you're going to be bored. No. <laughs> we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to be like... Personally, I, I, I believe that we're going to be traveling the universe with Jesus and, and you know, like... Literally the entire universe is, is going to be available to us. That's exciting. Uh, for, and, and, and so, I mean, earth will be home base where new Jerusalem is, but the rest of the universe, actually, we're going to talk about that as we move, as we move forward. I don't see death will no longer exist. So, so I don't know exactly how that's going to, and what was, okay. Why would you want to sit by the side of a river and, and fish when, you probably don't. You don't need to breathe, so you could like just dive down and just like grab fish. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, 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 it's so I'll just cuddle them. I don't. You could probably just call them. I mean, we're gonna have such authority. You're gonna. You could probably just be like. You just be like. 
and they would just jump out and be like, see, you know, and it'd get really boring. I mean, there's going to be so much more, so much more to do and so much more to experience that, that I actually think we'll probably all be uh, vegetarians. Um, I'm not saying that. You're right, he did. So, but this is a this is a different place. This is the new heavens and the new earth, and death no longer exists. So, so I don't think you can kill animals to eat them. Anyway, so let's just keep going. All these things are seem petty. This is why we need a day to talk about eschatology because. Because this is the stuff about the end times. It's this kind of stuff about the end times that I love to think about. Not not like who's the Antichrist and like when's all that stuff. All that stuff is interesting, but what I really like to think about is is our eternal state, the new heavens and the new earth. What's the new Jerusalem going to be like? Because we're going to live in the new Jerusalem. We will have homes. Those mansions that Jesus talked about, they are located in the new Jerusalem. Okay, so we will have homes in the New Jerusalem, that is going to be the dwelling place of everyone who was a part of the first resurrection. We will be living there. And, and like, what, I mean, th- that's the kind of fascinating stuff. Like, I, I'm, I'm really interested in what that's going to be like. Plus, well, we'll talk, we have, we'll talk about it a little bit more if we get there, but. So then, brethren, we are under obligation Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body. We're under obligation. The word here means debtors. So Jesus died for us to give us this opportunity. How dare we not choose to live by the gift that he has given us? It'd be like somebody handing you the keys to a Ferrari, and you're like, I'm never going to drive it, so. Okay, Jesus has done far something far greater, far more beautiful than that. He has given you new creation and said, here, live in this. And so we are obligated to live as new creations. We're obligated to live as recreated beings. Even though the fullness of our, of our new creation has not been manifested yet, some of it has, and the level to which it has, we need to live in that, and we need to press into our new creation so that it continues to grow in us faster because we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit to accelerate the rate at which we are being recreated from the inside out. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying is, put that old stuff to death. Why are you still hanging around? With all of these old creation things, all these old creation realities that aren't satisfying, that steal your joy, that destroy your relationships, that 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 take away every all the blessing that God has given you, and why you know why would you why are you even asking God to to bless some of your old creation stuff? That's not who you are anymore. You are a new creature. You are a new creation, and everything has been made new. Step in, step forward, step through into this new existence that God has created for you, your new creation status. And we're going to find out as we move forward here that the truth is the entire universe is jealous of you at this moment because new creation, resurrection has begun in you and they're still waiting for it. Mount Everest is still waiting for it. The Pacific Ocean is still waiting for it. The, you know, the, the, 
the, the biggest star in the universe is still waiting for new creation. Decay still sits on the rest of the universe, but the reverse of decay has begun in you, and you treat it like it's nothing. Death has been defeated on the inside of you, and we walk around like it's no big deal. No, we're under obligation. We're compelled to live by the Spirit of God, to rest in Him, to lean into Him. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Step into cooperation. Do you know how much the ancient uh, prophets and, and, and the people of the Old Testament would have killed to be able to walk in constant day-to-day relationship with the Holy Spirit? They didn't have that opportunity. Go back and look at the prophets of old, and it would say, the word of the Lord came to so-and-so. Well, they, they did not have the Holy Spirit to constantly speak to, to constantly listen to, whatever. The Holy Spirit would come upon them at specific moments in time, just besiege them, overwhelm them with his power, shake them to the core with his words, and then he would lift. I think about Samson. You know, Samson was not a big, muscly guy, most likely. He wasn't most likely this guy with, like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, but a Jew, okay? That probably wasn't what he was, okay? He was probably just a normal-looking dude, but when the Holy Spirit would come on him, he, he had supernatural ability, and he could do things, okay? But it could not happen unless the Holy Spirit came on him, when the Holy Spirit came on him, he could take the jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand people, and that's what he did. Okay, when the Holy Spirit came on him, he could rip the gates right out of the, right out of the of Jerusalem. These gates were like, uh, like fifteen feet tall and like ten feet wide, and he just walks over and just like, bah! just rips them off and then carries them like several miles away. Okay, all these things, these supernatural things that he was able to do, could only happen when the Holy Spirit was on him, and. He didn't even realize after his hair was cut, the Holy Spirit was not going to come on him. God wasn't with him anymore. He got himself beat up. So here's my question for you this morning. and I want, to, I want you to ask this question of yourself. Do you seek an active relationship with the Holy Spirit? What is your plan to enhance, to deepen your personal relationship with the third person of the Trinity who dwells inside of you right now? Do you speak to him? Do you involve him in the moments of your day? He's there. For moments in my life when I was really after this and I would just be like, I would just talk to the Holy Spirit. Most of the time I would just be like, hey, Holy Spirit, how you doing today? Like, I read this book by Benny Hinn. I don't know. I, I'm not a, I mean, Benny Hinn is Benny Hinn, right? But I read this book that he wrote called The Anointing. And it was, um, it's, his first book is called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And his next book was called The Anointing, and it was really just a lot of the stuff from Good Morning Holy Spirit that he just said again. But anyway, 
he began this relationship with the Holy Spirit. He had this encounter with the Holy Spirit at a revival meeting. And the next day he wakes up and the Holy Spirit is so present in his bedroom. Just, he just wakes up to the Holy Spirit, like staring him in the face. Obviously not physically, but that's how it felt. And he said, good morning, Holy Spirit, because that's how close the Holy Spirit was to him at that time. And it was through that relationship. And he was personally mentored and, uh, and led in ministry by that relationship with the Holy Spirit. That it was his close personal relationship with the Holy Spirit that, that took him into the places, you know, ended up where, where he ended up later on. You know, filling stadiums with people and seeing hundreds of people get healed. That was real. I know multiple people who were physically healed at Benny Hinn rallies. I I don't know why the Holy Spirit didn't talk to him about his hair or his, I I don't know. But, you know, that's just the way it is. Okay. So the Holy Spirit tends to use kind of dramatic people, in case you haven't noticed. But (laughs) I just just think the Holy Spirit kind of is a dramatic person. And so maybe they're drawn to each other. But regardless... I was reading that book, and at the end of the book, Benny Hinn was like, I want to invite you to begin a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I never thought about it that way. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I was a tongue talker. You know, I'd been used in the, you know, I'd been used in some of the gifts, you know, some of the prophetic, you know, and I thought I understood the Holy Spirit. But Benny Hinn was like, no, 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 you need to have a personal, intimate relationship with him. You need to speak with him. And he said, here's a prayer, and it was written out, this little prayer that you should pray to begin your intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I'm in. And I finished the book when I was actually in the Philippines on a mission trip. So I, I'm, sitting in, I'm sitting in this chair in a hotel room, and I'm like, and I prayed the prayer. And I was, and, and I just, the Holy Spirit just inundated the room, just like, it was thick in there, like the air got super thick. And, and I just, I kind of, I'm like, whoa, what's... And so I kind of open my eyes and I look over to my left and I could see... Have you ever like looked at a light bulb and there was the after image? You know what I'm talking about? I could see something like that. I had not looked at any light bulbs. My eyes had been closed. <laughs> I could see something like that, that after image kind of thing in the form of a person standing in the room that I was in. And I was totally freaked out, completely freaked out. And, and, but the Holy Spirit just whispered to me, not out loud. I've never heard the audible voice of the Lord. He said, watch me tonight. So I was like, okay. (laughs) Almost immediately after that, I had to get on a bus and we were driving to a church where we were going to be doing some ministry or whatever. I was, I was on prayer support that night, so I wasn't going to actually be doing any of the ministry myself, except we were singing a couple songs. And, uh, and so I was able to sit and watch that after image of the Holy Spirit move around the room and do things in this church. There was the pastor got up and he began to speak and he began to pray. And I saw the Holy Spirit like, 
come around him and like put his head inside the pastor, like inside the pastor's head. And like, you know, the anointing in the room was just like, you know, it's like, whoa. And then my father-in-law, he wasn't my father-in-law at the time, but he would be later, uh, uh, got up and sang a song. And when he began to sing, the Holy Spirit like disappeared. And I was like, where'd you go? And he's like, I am so filling him right now that I'm nowhere. Like that's, that's where I am. I'm just in him. And he began to sing this song. And by the end of the song, I was laid out on the floor, just done. And you know, I'm watching, I was watching people pray for people. And I watched the Holy Spirit kind of like his arms kind of like go over them and like, you know, and minister. And, and it, it was a very fed, nothing like that has ever, I mean, I haven't had that happen ever since. And I, the reason I tell you that story is because it was from that day that I began to seek to cultivate a personal relationship with the third person of the Trinity. He is a person. And I think we think of him as like the force, you know, like a mystical energy field. But that's not, you know, we're like, oh, the presence of the Lord has come. And I actually don't like that term at all. I use it because there's no other, it's not a good way to talk about it. Um, but, but like when I pray, Jesus be present here, I usually say, Jesus be present here by your Holy Spirit. Because that's how Jesus is, that is, the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus. You need to understand that because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. And when Jesus is present in a room, he is present by his Holy Spirit. Are you with me on this? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. They are unified. Okay, so not only is Jesus present, but the Father is present as well via the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us at all times. Okay, and I have heard from the Holy Spirit in the weirdest places. You need to understand the Holy Spirit is not just at work in people who believe in him. The Holy Spirit is at work across the whole earth all the time, put, pushing people towards the gospel, pushing people towards the cross. And I have felt the Holy Spirit act in the weirdest times at the weirdest places. And I have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit through the most foul voices and people that... but. Truth, just like, it's like lightning through the room. And I'm like, what? Holy Spirit, you actually use that guy? That guy? You know, and, and but it's real. It's true because the Holy Spirit is constantly at work, pushing, striving, stirring the mass of humanity to understand that there is a God who loves them and who wants to save them. That's what he's doing all the time. And he lives inside of you. And when you go out into the world, you carry him with you. So cultivate a true, deep, personal, intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Every step that we take and every breath that we breathe should be Holy Spirit inspired and given. I had friends that used to ask the Holy Spirit what to wear every day. I don't know if I exactly think that's necessary, but they would. Holy Spirit, what should I wear today? (laughs) Right? But what if he tells you to wear things that don't look good together? 
Yeah, what would you do? Now there's plans of any Holy Spirit, how should I do my hair? Well, it needs to look oh, like right. a toupee that's been put on backwards. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> I can't. I can't talk about that. Um, we are a people of the Spirit. We should be marked by the influence of the Spirit. I love. I mean, so often people will come to me and say that verse that you mentioned today. The Lord took me to that verse this morning. Or, you know, you want to know why? It's because we're tuned into the same frequency. Okay, we're listening to the same person. That's what happens. That's how, and that's how I know when a prophetic word or an interpretation to a tongue comes. That's how I know if it's really God or not. Is, is, does this resonate with what the Spirit is saying in my heart right now? And if the answer is no, then I have some damage control to do. Because that wasn't, I mean it. And that's how we should all operate. We should all be like, okay, no, that's not what the Holy Spirit's saying at this moment. I've never gotten up and been like, that word was not God. <laughs> like, no, I, I would. <laughs> You're in the flesh, okay? I actually heard about a lady who like stood up and started to give like, a, like, like an interpretation to a tongue. And then all of a sudden she goes, dang it, I'm in the flesh. And just sat back down. And I was like, thank you. Like, real, that took some guts. Oh, really? Some lady was like, started giving it in the middle of worship. And Bob was like, hey, can you hold that? Yeah. She kept going and he just kept, and Joey eventually just yelled, can you hold that? And then like two minutes later, he like, like stalled the song out. That's the kind of, but we need to be that way. You know, we do when, when it's not the moment we need to be able to, now that person needs to be mature enough to be able to receive that and say, Oh, okay, I'll hold it for a minute and then be able to give it later. Um, cause if the Lord gives you a word, okay, you need to be paying attention to where it fits in the order of the service. And there's been le- several times when the Lord's given me a word and I never felt like there was a place. You know, like, like, like the, the service, the people running the service and I wasn't running the service and someone else is running the service. Just they, there was no place where it would be appropriate for me to share it. So what I would do then is either write it down and email it or, or I'll just take it to the person after service is over and be like, I didn't feel like there was an appropriate place to give this, but I want to give it to you and then you can do with it whatever you want. And just tell them, here's that word. By the way, if God gives you a prophetic word for a person, okay, do them a favor and write it down or, or record it so that they can hear it more than just at that time. Does that make sense? Do them a favor and, t- and do it in some form that they can take with them other than their own memory. Okay, that's why a lot of times when the Lord give, gives me words, I'll just text it. You know, I'll just be like, here, this is what I heard the Lord say. I, uh, I did that for uh, actually Rhonda Hazlitt uh, a few years ago. Uh, we were in a... Uh, she was running a, a, a teaching thing here at, at this church. That she was still on staff uh, in Indianapolis at the time. And I'm sitting at the table, and she was just bouncing around the room doing things. And the Lord just dropped this word into my spirit, and it was pretty heavy. It was, 
uh, I was kind of afraid to give it, to be honest. It wasn't mean or correction, but it was it was a significant word. Like it had to do with like a, a shift of season for her and blah blah blah. And and so it was and I was just like, wow, okay. And uh, and so just sitting there at the table, I just typed it into my iPad and emailed it to her. And uh, they found me later and were like, uh, yeah, that was that was God. Thank you. But it was just like so it was really cool when they came on staff here because um, I just love them pieces. I think they're amazing. Rob and Rhonda. And and uh, and so I was really glad that they were here when although I was a little mad that they got to be on this team. And I didn't get to be on the team with them. That would have been really fun for me to be on the same team with them. But anyway. Verse 14. For all who are led, being led by the Spirit of God. I love that. Those who are being led. Do you, do you, do you hear the present tense there? It's not for all who were led yesterday by the Holy Spirit or will be led tomorrow by the Holy Spirit. It's those who are Present tense, being continually led by the Holy Spirit. They are the sons of God. That's what it means to be a son, a child of God. It's a person who is tuned into and being obedient unto the voice of the Holy Spirit. Okay? I love this point. We need to understand that Jesus operated this way. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 4, 1 says Jesus was driven, actually, by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to pray for 40 days. And he fasted for 40 days and nights, okay? Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. John 8, Jesus tells him, I don't do anything by myself. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. And Jesus was speaking of the Holy Spirit leading him while he was here in his ministry on the earth. This is something you need to understand. Jesus modeled a Christian lifestyle while he was here on the earth. Jesus was not some kind of uber saint that we don't have to like, you know, like, well, we can't ever be like Jesus. No, you are supposed to be like Jesus. Jesus lived life as a spirit-filled human being. That is who he was. He didn't do miracles based on his authority as the Son of God. That's not what he did. He did miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit the same way that you will do miracles. So we don't get to be like, well, that was Jesus. No, no, you don't get to do that. Jesus walked the way that we've been called to walk. How many of you know the song? It's an older song now. It is with Brian and Jen Johnson. It's uh, where you go, I'll go. Where you, okay, okay. Adore that song. And the reason I do is because of it says Jesus only did what he saw you do. Jesus only speak what he heard you speak. How can I expect to live without you when every move that Jesus made was in surrender? That's, that's, that line just punched me in the face the first time I heard it. That Jesus' life, his whole life, was about stepping, was about putting down any agenda that he personally might have and saying yes to what God the Father was doing in that moment at that time. Can you imagine, I just read this story to my son the other day. Can you imagine, think about the story of Lazarus, 
Okay? Jesus receives word from Martha. Lazarus is sick. The one you love is sick. That's what she says to him. Okay? He's sick. He's going to die. I need you to get here, Jesus, because if you don't, my brother's going to die. Now, can you imagine that conversation between Jesus and the Father? Okay? Lazarus is a good friend of Jesus's. Jesus cares very much about Lazarus. He cares very much about Martha. He cares very much about Mary. Okay, these are personal, close friends that he stayed with on a regular basis that meant very much to him. And God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, says, I want you to hang out here. I don't want you to go. Don't go. Can you imagine what Jesus was thinking? Like, he knows God the Father can do anything. And he knows that God the Father, but he's thinking about the hurt and the pain and the doubt that Mary and Martha are walking through as Lazarus gets sicker and sicker and Jesus isn't showing up. And then Lazarus dies. And Mary and Martha are thinking, where were you, Jesus? In fact, that's what they say to him when he arrives. Why weren't you here? Do you not do you not think that this was difficult for him? I think we just kind of pass it off like, oh, Jesus knew what was about to happen, so it was okay. That's true, but that doesn't mean that the look on Mary and Martha's face didn't crush him. Of course it did. Of course it was incredibly difficult for Jesus not to run to Lazarus' side and raise him out of that bed. Of course it, was, it had to have been crushing for Jesus. But he lived his life out of surrender and the Holy Spirit was saying, stay. Stay. And then on top of that, the Holy Spirit says, now it's time to go, not just to Bethany, but to go to Jerusalem. Why? Because it's time for you to die. Can you imagine every step Jesus made toward Jerusalem, knowing what was going to happen to him at the end of the week? Every step was a sacrifice of Jesus' physical will. We know that because in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is laying on his face saying, Father, if there is any other way, but not my will, but yours. Do you think it was easy for him? It was difficult, but what was he doing? Yes, Holy Spirit, I will do what the Father says. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I am doing, I'm, I'm walking in cooperation with your power and your will in my life in this moment. It would have been absolute surrender the whole time Jesus is walking towards the cross. He allows his friend to die. And then he goes and there's this beautiful moment where Jesus raises him from the dead. And, and there's this, I, I love the moment when Jesus prays for Lazarus to be raised from the dead, because this is what it says. Jesus says, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. I'm just saying that so that everybody here knows that you heard me. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. And I think we've talked about, I why Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Because if he had just said, come forth, everyone else in the graveyard would have come out too. Yeah, that's how powerful Jesus' command is. You know, come forth. That was just the whole... It'd be like, be like this, you know, something from the thriller video, just like, you know... Be, <laughs> What? So, I just met one person. My bad. <laughs> oh, guys, good. Just, sweet, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I mean, I'll resurrect you later. Just go back to. <laughs> when Jesus was resurrected from the dead himself, 
it like resurrection kind of splattered everywhere because there was a whole bunch of other people that raised from the dead too. It was like the Holy Spirit was just like on a resurrection kick. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's like, I'm raising Jesus from the dead. You know what? And you, and you, and you get a resurrection, and you get a resurrection. I knew that Oprah was from the Holy Spirit. You know. Yeah. And he's like, Nah, just kidding. And he's like, oh, I'll just find it. And he raised him again. Well, my thing is, you know, Lazarus raises from the dead. Lazarus had been in paradise that whole time. You know, Lazarus is like, <gasps> you know, and he's, he's like wrapped up in stuff. And he's like, I kind of wonder if Lazarus was like pissed off a little bit. I mean, he might have been. He was chilling in heaven. Like, yeah. And he's like, nah, just kidding. You got to come back. Exactly. Well, and imagine talking to Lazarus afterwards, like, so what was it like? What was it like? You know, like, Lazarus is like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, Say, Abraham's a nice guy and uh, met David. Pretty cool, you know. I was there for he was there for four days, so he, he got the tour for sure. But anyway, <laughs> you know, you met my cousin David. <laughs> Actually, great, 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 great grandfather. Would that be grandfather? Yes. Oh. Many, many greats, but yes. Yeah. You remember you said like. He's the son of David. No, that was Rahab was uh, Jesus' twenty-nine great grandmother, and Rahab was before David. Yeah, so it would be less than twenty-nine, but still. The other day, and I said all the greats. Yeah, all the greats. All twenty-nine. Wow. That's a lot of greats. It was pretty cool. Twenty-nine generations. Anyway, so what was I saying? Oh, so. Jesus walked in relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what he did, and that's what we're called to do. And it was the mark of the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the first person in history to walk with the Holy Spirit in that way, but he was not the last. We have been called to walk as Jesus walked, filled with the Holy Spirit, in perfect cooperation with the Holy Spirit at all times, releasing the Holy Spirit in full measure at all times. Verse 15, because, okay, now we're going to get into some really, really good deep stuff. So get ready for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, father, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of of God. These two verses, guys, these two verses have wrecked me a thousand times and they will wreck me a thousand times more. This statement by the Apostle Paul, we have not received the spirit of slavery to lead us back to fear again. Do you understand, you know, the song, we are no longer slaves. It comes out of this verse. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. This is the verse that that song comes from, okay? But understand, we're no longer slaves of anything or anyone. And we're the spirit, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's 2 Corinthians 3.17. Do you understand? We are sons of God. We are not slaves to anything anymore, ever again. We are the children of the creator of the universe, the sons. There, <clears throat> well, it, the other place that that song might come from is Galatians 4, 7, which, which says, uh, anyway, I don't know, you can go look it up if you want. Specifically here, 
because we have been welcomed into the house of God, but not as slaves, as sons who have full and free access to all that belongs to the Father. We've got to understand the difference between slavery and sonship. Because most of us still operate according to slavery rules and not son rules. We've got to get it. We've got to understand. We've got to click with the fact we are his kids. We are not his slaves. God, Jesus did not die on the cross to produce more servants for himself. Jesus died on the cross to make you his sons. Actually, Jesus died to make you his brothers, but it doesn't matter. Jesus died on the cross to make you the father's sons, to bring you into the family. And we don't get this most of the time. We've got to understand that I love that he says we're not slaves. The spirit we've been given is not the spirit of slavery, which takes us back to fear. Do you understand that slaves only obey their masters because they're worried about punishment? That's the only reason slaves obey their masters. That should never be the reason why we obey the Lord. It should never be the reason why we obey the Lord. We should never obey the Lord based on fear of punishment. Because the minute we do that, we're stepping back into a slavery mode. This is not a relationship based on violence. This is not a relationship based on punishment. This is a relationship based on the fact that he has declared, I love you. I choose you. Let that soak in for a minute. God said it first, before you ever picked him, before you ever thought about him, before you ever loved him, before you ever reached for him, God spoke over you, you will be mine. Oh yes, you will be mine. His desire to give us all that he has. <laughs> think about it where did where where did your salvation begin it began in the desire of the heart of God to give you everything that he has We so often think our, our salvation began with our sin. Wrong, 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 wrong. Your salvation didn't begin with your sin. Your salvation began with his love for you. Because when he created you, he loved you then. And your sin got in the way of him doing everything that he wanted to do for you. So he took care of it. You were his son, his child to begin with. And you were stolen from him and he is ransoming you back from those that stole you away. This is who you truly are. It's not some kind of identity that's been pasted on top of you. No, this is the identity you were given before the foundations of the world that is now being released again up through all of the muck and the mess that you have made. I was praying for the city of Fort Wayne one time. And I was praying kind of in that mode, like God may, you know, fix 
fix the mess that is this city. And the Lord was like, no, I won't. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that, God. And the Lord was like, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to restore the song I sang that was Fort Wayne before as I formed the earth. And he showed me this picture of this like liquid gold that was just sitting just under the crust of the earth that had been just, just covered over by all of the trash and the crap of mankind. And God was stood over the city of Fort Wayne and began to call identity out of the ground and say, come. And, and the song that God had sang, that liquid gold was the song that God had sang that was Fort Wayne before the beginning of the world. And he was calling it up through all the junk of mankind to reassert itself on the face of the earth. And it's like, that's what I will do. So pray that what I have created will be recreated in its perfect original form through which I sang it. And I was just like, you know, let's, we're going to go deeper in that. We're not there yet. Oh, no, no. (laughs) Oh, we're going to spend a few more, few more minutes on this verse. This, oh, okay, First John 4.18, perfect love casts out fear. Hear it, understand it. Your relationship with God should not, cannot be based on fear of punishment. That's not who you are. You're his beloved. Don't put that identity on top of, the, of, of who, who I used to be. No, who you used to be, who you were created to be, who God dreamed you were from before the foundations of the earth is being restored to you, regardless of what has happened since then, to mar that and to break it. You hear it. The first thing God said about mankind is, they're like me. And that's what God is doing. He's giving us back who we are. You have received a spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of adoption. And you have received the Holy Spirit. And not just for you. Understand, the, Holy, the spirit of adoption operates in you, but the spirit of adoption has been desiring, longing to operate through you to bring his children back and put them back in the family where they belong. You are carriers of the spirit of adoption. Take it out into the world and teach the earth to call him Abba again. Take it out into the world and teach creation. They are the beloved children of a beautiful God who has done everything to restore them to the relationship that he created them for in the first place. You're being formed by the spirit of adoption to be the agents of adoption. The Apostle Paul calls it the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know what reconciliation is? It is bringing two people back together who were together at first but have been separated. We have been declared a member of the family. Pastor Don Gifford talks about when he went to the court hearing where his adopted grandchildren were, were, were declared to be, you're no longer this person, you are now this person and they're given their new name 
and they're made forever a part of this family and nothing can ever, ever undo it, that they are now a part of this family and God speaks it over us. We have been made his precious ones. This verse, by which it says, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Okay, the word Abba, doesn't just mean daddy. It goes even more infantile than that. It's like, da, da. It's like the first, all of my kids, to my wife's chagrin, all of my kids were saying da, 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 before they ever said anything else. Okay? It's one of the first syllables that a child can utter is the cry, the desire for daddy, for Abba, for da, da. That's the word. And he's returning us to that primal infantile cry. The Holy Spirit is uncovering, unveiling the cry that's been alive on the inside of us all along, that we are the sons and the daughters of God, that we are his children. And the Holy Spirit is stirring that up again because we've forgotten who we were and because our identity has been stolen from us by sin. He is giving it back to us and he is crying it with us. He is the one who stirs the cry for Abba. The Holy Spirit is the originator of the cry of Abba in our hearts. Let me help you understand something. If you're like, Holy Spirit, I just want to hear you. I want to be involved with what you're doing. Okay, this is in in my experience, in my walk and everything that I have. The best way to get a hold and to get connected with what the Holy Spirit is up to in your heart is to go to the place in your soul where the cry for Abba Father is the loudest. Does that make sense? We all have, you know, kind of different places, you know, different places of emotion in our soul. And that's why we tell people, don't go there. Because I don't have the energy to deal with the emotion that's going to be brought up when we start talking about that topic. Do you know what I mean? Okay? That's why we say that to people. Don't go there. We're going to go back to that wound and start poking at it. You know, I'm I'm not ready for that. Okay, but listen to me. If you want to get in connection with what the Holy Spirit is doing in your heart, you need to chase down that cry of Abba, Father. That longing, that desire that is stirring on the inside of you that says, I just need to be fathered well. I just need to understand that I am a part of his family. I need to be to, to live in the place where I feel and experience the acceptance of a, of a father who's not going to look at me and call me worthless and is not going to look at me and call me and, 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 and speak some identity over me that's it's not truly me that a father who is going to who's going to release me to be exactly who he created it's me that that cry okay and that cry is in different places for dip, for all of us cuz we all break different but a lot of times that cry for abba lives in the most broken places of who we are and hear me where that cry is the strongest that is where the activity of the holy spirit is the greatest on the inside of you right now and you want to find him you go to the place where the cry of abba is resounding the strongest you touch that you connect with that you lean into that and all of a sudden the holy spirit will just break through on the inside of you and you will hear him as clearly as you've ever heard him before find the place where the cry of abba father is the loudest in you and you will find the activity of the holy spirit When people say to me, I don't know what I want to do ministry-wise. This is the answer. Where is the cry, Abba, Father, the greatest in you? 
Because not only is that where the Holy Spirit is at work in you, but that's where the Holy Spirit would work through you as well. And that's what he wants. I'm telling you that the, there's, there's a couple of things that I feel like are my, are my primary callings in the body of Christ. And this is one of the greatest ones. This is one of the most powerful ones. I feel like God has called me to stir passion in the children of God for their father by revealing God's love to them. That's one of my primary callings. One of my other primary callings, well, and that's connected to the whole worship thing. And connected to that also is this idea of identity. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What does it say after that? From whom all families in earth derive their name. Your identity comes from your relationship with Abba. And it is the job of those who would be fathers in the earth to give identity to those who are their children. Whether that be physical children, spiritual children, it doesn't matter. The job of a dad is to look at you, to see who you are, and to tell you who you are, and remind you who you are when you begin to forget, and pull you back to where you are, and pull you back to who God's called you and made you to be. The Lord told me when he first revealed this to me, he said, stop, stop naming your children after their sin. (coughs) Don't do that. He said, you are their identity giver. That's who you are. You are the giver of identity to them. And at the deepest places of who they are, they're going to hear from you what their identity is. And they will own that identity and that will be the path that they follow forward. He said, if you look at them and say, you're this or you're that, you're a jerk or you're, a, or you're, or, you know, you're mean to your siblings or you're a liar or you're a thief, if you call them according to their sins, that will be their identity and they will stand in it. He said, what you do to correct them is correct their identity. You say to them, you just lied to me, but that's not who you are. You are a person who lives in truth. You did something to hurt your brother or your sister, but that's not who you are. You are a loving brother. You are a loving sister. You are a person who delights in this person that is supposed to love them. You just spoke in in a disrespectful way, but that's not who you are. You are a person who loves and respects those who deserve honor and respect. That's who you are. And in calling them by who they are, by their actual identity in Christ Jesus, I'm pulling them out of their sin and putting them back in in righteousness. Or I can have them wear their label like the scarlet letter. Accusation only ever does one thing. It only ever destroys people. But reconciliation brings them back to who they are. And that's the gospel message, is reconciliation. Lean into the cry of Abba that's in your heart and let his voice give you your identity and then walk in your identity. Learn to love what the Father has named you. Fullness of joy is found in that place of stepping into cooperation with the Holy Spirit as he shows you who you are.
the Holy Spirit himself testifies that we are the children of God. The voice of the Holy Spirit singing over you day in and day out, saying you are his, you carry his DNA, you are like him. Go to that place in your heart and listen to me. The Holy Spirit is never, ever the voice that is saying to you that you are not like Jesus, that is saying to you that you are evil, that you have no hope, that you will never amount to anything. If you hear that voice, understand that is either your voice or the enemy's voice. That is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. So just reject it out of hand. The Holy Spirit will bring correction, but the Holy Spirit's correction is always based on hope and based on who you are in him. The Holy Spirit is drawing you back to what God created you to be. The Holy Spirit is saying, no, that's not who you are. This is who you are. And if correction comes, but, bring, but there's no hope brought with it, it is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hear that. The voice of the enemy and, the vo- and your own flesh's voice is a voice of condemnation. It's a voice that says, you are evil and will never be anything else. The voice of the Holy Spirit says, You've been lost, but you are found. Is everybody okay? He never makes us think we're not God's children. The Holy Spirit is singing the song of sonship over you. And if we are children, we are also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. We're heirs. We inherit. That's what it means. We have full access to everything that belongs to God. That's what it means to be a joint heir with Christ. You have full access to everything that belongs to God. All God has is ours. Here's the deal. It says, if indeed we suffer with him. Do the things that pain Christ pain you? Do the things that hurt him hurt you? This talk of suffering covers every, every bit of human suffering that Christians go through. Okay? Emotional suffering, physical suffering, sickness, difficulty, all of it. It's all of it. All of it is, we have to understand all of it as stepping into the suffering of Christ Jesus. And when I say that, what I mean is this. It, it is all of that suffering is pointed towards the same end as the, as the suffering of Jesus on the cross. Your salvation and the salvation of others is born of suffering. Your restoration to your identity as a son is born as suffering. There's times when God is going to walk you through really difficult, painful, horrible times that you're going to be saying, what are you doing? 
And God is going to simply say, every ounce of suffering you're walking through is working towards your future glory. And we're going to talk about that when we get to that verse. The verse that I quote to myself over and over and over again. It's the next verse. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is revealed in me. Have I told you guys about the the visionary experience I had where I was digging up stuff? I, I don't know. I, but it comes from this verse. And there was this, one of the hardest moments of my life. I had been doing what I knew God told me to do. And I believed that God was going to open this specific door of ministry and that I was going to be able to leave my my regular job and I was going to be able to step into full-time ministry and that this dream job that I had in front of me was going to be right there. And I had worked my butt off. I mean, harder than I ever worked in my life to push towards that. And right around that time, it had been about four years since Rachel and I had had uh, Aiden. And um, we were wanting to have another kid and we had been trying for a while. And Um, nothing had happened and Rachel found out she was pregnant and it was like everything's all happening at once like we're going to have this kid we've been asking for and I'm going to be stepping into and uh, it felt like it really felt like a whole bunch of things were just lining up and they were all going to come together and they all fell apart Rachel had a miscarriage Um, we had I found out that because of some really ridiculous and political, disgusting reasons that I wasn't going to get the job that I thought I was going to get, that I was going to be stuck in the job that I hated. (laughs) We had financial issues all kind of fall apart all at the same time. It all happened within like a three or four week span of time. It felt like my entire life and my entire understanding of God's plan for my life was just dissolved in one moment. And I was furious. I was hurting so bad. I was having so much difficulty in understanding what on earth are you up to, God? This makes no sense to me whatsoever. And this is what the Lord said to me. Josh, I love you too much to let your comfort stand in the way of your destiny. My literal words back to the Lord at that moment were, you're a jerk. That's that's what I said. I wanted to say something other, much worse things, but that's what I said. What I didn't understand was that that moment was for me and many moments after were for me. Working, working to produce things in me that I would need for my future assignment, that I would never, that I would not be able to minister the way that I would be able to later if I had not walked through this season of pain and trial. That, that I can't tell you how many times God has used that moment in my life 
to enable me to talk to other people who are in a very, almost exact moments, moments of deep disappointment, moments where they feel completely betrayed by God, moments where it's like, why would God allow this to happen to me? This is not what I was, what I signed up for. <coughs> because I walked through that and much more besides, I could turn around and say, I know where you are. I've been there. And God is good. And he's going to show you that before it's over. I love you too much to let your comfort stand in the way of your destiny. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Some of life is going to really suck, guys. Some of life, maybe even a lot of it, is going to be unbelievably hard and painful. Do not think for a moment that he's abandoned you. He has not. He's giving you what you need to be everything he's called you and designed you to be. Being conformed to the image of the sun is not a quick or easy process, but it is worth it. The amount of suffering each of us is called to share and the form it will take will differ from person to person. For some of us, that's going to look like terminal cancer. For some of us, it's going to look like not getting a job that we want. For some of us, it's going to look like uh, financial difficulty. For some of us, it's going to look like it's not your job to look at somebody else and be like, they're suffering more than me. That's not fair. They have a different assignment than you. And some of the most powerful, most, most glorious ministries in the history and men and women in the history of the church have had some of the longest and deepest walks through the valley of the shadow of death of anybody else. There are some treasures that can only be found in a place of darkness, despair, and discouragement. Jesus would not take you there if it wasn't necessary. That pain and that difficulty is nothing when we hold it up against the glory that we will see revealed through us. Both in this age and in the age to come, the scars that we uh, accumulate in this age will be our badges of honor in the, in the coming kingdom of God. Just as Jesus' scars are still on him and are the, thing, the reason why heaven worships him. Worthy are you, they say in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, because you have been slain and you have bought men for God from every nation, tribe, and tongue. They bowed down before Jesus because of his scars. Even more than the fact that he's the second person of the Trinity on top of that, he is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. The entire universe worships him because of it. The glory that will be revealed to us. Let's pray.
Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit, rise to the level of our conscious experience right now. Pray. Pray that you're moving and that your activity would be manifest, that we would feel it, that we would be awakened to it so that we can agree with you and we can cooperate with you. Holy Spirit, I pray that whatever whatever way you must manifest yourself to enable us to say yes to what you are doing inside of us right now, I pray that you would do that. Dear Holy Spirit, you would speak to hearts. Lord, this is a moment where once again you're calling for our cooperation with you. You're calling for us to sign up again. You're calling for us to say, yes, I will be a part of what you're doing. So I pray that, Holy Spirit, we would, we would feel, we would sense, we would understand what you're doing in this moment so we can say yes to you. Father, I ask by your Holy Spirit that you would stir up in this room the cry for Abba, the cry for you, that the desire for immortality would rise up inside this room. Uh, Holy Spirit, do what you are spoken of doing in this verse and, and let the cry for Abba Father rise in, in the hearts of the men and women in this room. Let it stir. Let it shake. Let it, let it move. Let, I just pray right now that the cry of Abba Father, Lord, that it would, that it would shake us, that it would crack off. Lord, things that have held us, that are things that have kept us close, places where our hearts have have calloused over and the cry of Abba has been silenced inside of us. Let it be released in the name of Jesus. I pray for the insensitivities to be broken off, to be removed in the name of Jesus. I pray that, Lord, new, fresh insight and understanding, Lord, in the way that you're moving on the inside of us to, to, to stir us to cry out for you. Lord, I ask that it would arise in this place. Lord, do something that we cannot do. Holy Spirit, Fan the flame of fire in our hearts. Fan the flame of the desire for God. Jesus, you told us. You told us that eternal life is knowing our Father and the one whom he sent. So let the cry for eternal life Eternally good and eternally long, let the cry for eternal life rise and awaken us and shake us. Spirit of adoption, arise within us. I pray that you would declare us to be the sons of God and more. I pray that you would enable us to speak, to move, to operate in this world as the agents of adoption and reconciliation. That we would 
be the agents of the restoration of identity in the earth. Lord, that we would be the ones who walk the planet, waking the earth up, waking creation up to who and what it is. That even as this next verse that we were going to study, we're going to have to wait till next week, but even as this next verse says that the creation waits in eager longing for the revelation of the sons of God because creation longs to be awakened to its identity as free as the children, the creation of a loving father. And Lord, I pray that we would be the agents of the opposite of decay, that we'd be the agents of the release of resurrection power, that we would be the agents of the spirit of adoption in the earth, that we would speak to the broken of the, the most broken of the broken, the most downtrodden of the downtrodden, Lord, the, the, the most outcast of the outcast, that they are children of God and that they would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit stirring inside their own hearts and crying out, Abba, from within them, and they would be restored to their identity in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I just speak and I bless the men and women in this room to be agents of resurrection, reconciliation, and, and re restoration to identity. I bless them in the name of Jesus to understand, Lord, to walk in and to operate in their identity as sons of the living God, and that they would live knowing and operating out of the place that everything that the Father has belongs to them and has been given to them to accomplish the Father's purpose because the Son cares about what the Father cares about, that they would be the ones, by the power of the Holy Spirit, restoring men and women and children and creation itself to its original identity before sin came upon it by the work of Jesus on the cross. Lord, set loose spirit power inside of us to shake the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, we'll get back to uh, the rest of it next week.